0: Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast.
1: Good Thursday morning. A little question for you off the jump. What were you doing on September 26, 2004? If you happen to have that answer off the top of your head, that would be very scary. But if you were Ben Roethlisberger, you were making your first NFL start. The question is, is it now the last start for Big Ben in Pittsburgh the last start overall in his surefire Hall of Fame career. We'll dig into it in just one minute. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance, with all of our guests jam packed this morning on the Goodyear Hotline.
2: What day was that you said?
1: September twenty sixth, two thousand four. Any idea what you were doing on any in two thousand four? The twenty
3: sixth. I have no idea what I did last week.
2: <laughs> I was waiting for. Hmm. It was week three of the season. Week three of the O four season. Week three of the O four season. I was playing. Somewhere.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love that you were trying to dig deep into the memory. No, I was I, playing. No, Somewhere. I was just, just messing with Zoom. I you
2: know, I just messed with Dallas Zubin. at that point? Yeah, I was at Dallas. No, wait. Yeah, no. Tampa. Yeah. Right? He's been. Yeah, hit. I was in Tampa. Go, oh, hey man, calm down. <laughs> slow down now.
3: Don't slow. Down.
2: He's been. he uh, Where
1: was I? Where yeah. was I? <laughs> Can you tell me what you did last night? Can is that a little easier? Did you I, have any fun I, last we, night, or is that going to be too tough to pull out?
2: No, a little streaming. A little streaming. Right little streamy. now you're locked in.
1: <laughs> I saw.
2: Uh, no, I watched uh, Denzel, the movie with Denzel. Interesting. The one character he was pretty cool though the the crazy. What are you boy. talking
3: about the, the little things? The little things. The crazy. It's a good dude. movie. Yeah. yeah it was Jared yeah. Leto's really good. Yeah, he He's was crazy.
2: Jerry, yeah, it was that that, that. we <laughs> were sitting there laughing because he was crazy. Like that was he was really crazy though.
3: He got him on yeah. one. That's how you get him.
2: But uh, that was a good one. I couldn't find anything else other than my typical, you know. Then I watched uh, Murder Mansions. You know what? His
3: murder matches on ID. See, Zubin, he's always in the dark stuff. I'm trying to tell all the time. I just
2: like the the I just like the the mystery of the stuff. That's all to try to unsolve and do those sort of things.
1: So the question is, what is the mystery surrounding the words of Pittsburgh Steelers, General Manager Kevin Colbert? Colbert, not Colbert, but spelled like Steven, has been in the organization now for more than twenty years. I want you to take a listen. To what the Steelers GM is sending after 20-plus years of the organization, he's been the guy that's been selecting, drafting for many, many years. He's the point guy. As Key has often said, in Pittsburgh, guys are always in the background. You never quite really know. It's more of a hands-off organization. But Colbert is as powerful as anybody. Here we go. Yesterday, is this financial or is this something else when talking about his franchise quarterback for the moment? As we sit
4: here today, Ben is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, He met with Art Rooney. He went with Coach Tomlin. He met with myself uh, shortly after the season ended. Uh, He reiterated that to us, that he wants to continue to play. We told him, quite frankly, we have to look at this current situation. You know, Art Rooney addressed that, that with Ben's current cap number, um, some adjustment will have to be made, and we're not negotiating as as we sit here and answer this question. Hopefully there's a way that we can try to figure out and do what's best for the organization and do what's best for Ben. And hopefully he'll be able to see that and feel the same way we do. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not only with Ben, but just with the whole uh, unrestricted free agent class and our whole cap situation as
1: well. What's he saying there, Key? What's he saying?
2: Well, he's saying a couple of things, right? He's saying that if we could figure out how to bring the forty-one million dollar cap number down, with whatever money is due to him in roster bonuses, in base salaries, and reporting bonuses, if they could figure that structure out to where it both sides could come to an agreement where it makes sense, then we'll do. He could come back, and if not, then we got other options in our back pocket. They still may exercise those other options, just depends on what those other options are. Um, his number on the dead cap side is about 20 plus million dollars. He's getting that money regardless, right? That, that's money that he's already negotiated. It's just it when, when they say dead, that just means that there's nothing they could do about it. It's there on the books. The big number is the 41 million because if they cut him. Or, or yeah, that's the only thing, because they can't trade him. So if they cut him, they're going to get hit with a $41 million situation, and they're $22 million over the cap already. So they've got some some um, sharpening of the pencil, so to speak, as they like to say, get down to it.
3: Yeah, they want to move quick because on March – I think on March 19th, Big, Big Ben is owed $15 million in a roster bonus, right? So I, I think you have to start moving quickly. I, I think – what they're doing here, they're trying to move on from Ben, but in the right way, Key. If that's a bridge year, they're trying to get those cap numbers down. Because, look, this is not a Jerome Bettis situation. When Jerome Bettis came back for that final year, they had a legitimate chance to win it. I at best see this team being the third best team in this division, right? Behind the way Baltimore is going to be. It's just, I, this is a bridge. This is a gap situation. And I Big Ben... 17 years of service, you won two Super Bowls, we're trying to do the right thing, but it has to be within the best interest of the team.
2: I I don't know that they're the third best team in the division, I don't know that, because they they won the division last year, and they went through a situation, COVID, they're playing one week, they're not playing the next, they got a bye, they don't have a buy. oh my God, we need to move the team, all that sort of stuff, they went through a lot this past season. So I'm not... Ready to say that they're the third best team. I understand that we are excited about the Cleveland Browns. I understand that the Pittsburgh or the Baltimore Ravens are, are perennial playoff contenders every single year. I get that, but I'm not quite ready to say that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the third
3: best team in the division. And just What's their run game? I feel like, you know, granted, they missed a couple of bye weeks to retire, but at the end of the year, the Ravens were playing better and the Browns were playing better. So I'm just projecting into next year. Cleveland set up – Cleveland's like a piece away. Well, we've talked about that. It is, are we saying that Pittsburgh is a piece away? We keep saying about Baltimore, hey, all he needs is one big-time receiver because their defense is out. They're there. Like oh, oh, I, That's what I'm wondering about. The Pittsburgh Steelers, even the, though they were undefeated, this is for what a while. the off, this
2: is what the offseason is for. The offseason is get people back healthy on the defensive side of the ball for them. They've lost they lost two or three major pieces on the defensive side due to injury.
3: But it's about
2: yeah. it's about well, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush. I mean, yep. so when you start, Joe Hayden was in and out of the lineup. When you start to get guys back healthy, and then you sure up your running game because you're shoring up the offensive line. Uh, which Pouncey was there, Marquise? Marquise was the yeah. center. Marquise, yeah. so, so when you think about replacing him and J- and Juju Smith, which was really your second, third receiver, you go ahead and you get you another guy to fall in line there if you can't re-sign him.
3: Are you trying it, to get like an Allen Robinson type of player?
2: I mean, it depends on what the number. They're $22 million over the cap. What are the financial numbers? I mean, you know, Pittsburgh has never been – shy about drafting young receivers, you know, Claypool, trace Claypool is there. James Washington is there. Johnson's there. So they may decide that they're going to run those three back and allow a guy like Juju to hit the free agent market because they're not willing to pay that number for that type of production. that they get out of him. So I'm not, I'm just not ready to say that a, a team is third when they won last year their division
1: last couple things of course starting the season 11 and 0 and the NFL's last undefeated team last two things i did a little work while you guys were chatting on september 26 2004 you were likely sitting in dallas because you played a monday night game with the team formerly called the washington redskins the next night washington at dallas you caught one pass For 23 yards, Vinny targeted you eight times, but apparently wasn't able to put it on the money as many times. But that was what you were doing. So we're
3: putting that on Vinny or we putting that on Keisha? I think we got to put it on Vinny. (laughs) we got to put it on Vinny. (laughs) do we win?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you here in one second. Last thing I would say, this is the funny thing about Ben Roethlisberger and the world in which we live. You know where he went to school, right? Uh, You did win 21-18. Hung on Mm -hmm. for the three-point win. Another three-point NFL game, Jay. Last thing I would tell you, Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. That first game, here were his numbers. 12 for 22, by the way, a win against Miami when he played at Miami of Ohio. He's 12 for 22 for a buck 63, one touchdown, one pick. I'm only slightly exaggerating. If, ben, if Big Ben played today, we'd come on the air Monday and be like, this guy. This guy sucks. <laughs> he went to Miami of Ohio. You knew he shouldn't have drafted. You get the 2 treatment. I'm already off the train, 163. By well, the way. What did I say about those numbers, though? And by the Yeah, you're right. That's, that's the league today. By the way. He won all 13 games he started his rookie year, all 13, and the next year the Steelers won the Super Bowl. He turned out okay. On the way, Ben is an all-time great. He could be done.
2: Man, I need to check those numbers and stats again. Where's our uh, stat guy? I'll
1: show you my phone. No, the I'm break. just going. <laughs> <laughs> is another all-time great in another sport done after what happened this morning? We'll explain. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin next ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. <laughs>
0: Game. And and Osaka
2: over over Serena Williams. will her major title.
0: This is Keyshawn J Will and Zubin.
5: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer.
4: Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike.
0: Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast.
1: There were some laughs there in Melbourne, but after the match that just ended a little while ago, well, several hours ago, I would say, but a little while ago in the grand scheme of things, if you're waking up this morning with Naomi Osaka over Serena Williams, 6364 to advance to the Australian Open. final, you heard some laughter there from Naomi, but there were some tears shed by Serena as she exited her press conference this morning. Osaka will face Jennifer Brady to decide the championship. At the Australian Open. Tough. Yeah, tough indeed. Let's bring in Patrick McEnroe, ESPN tennis analyst. Patrick, we all know the deal. Serena sitting at 23, waiting for one more on the court to tie Margaret Court. But it is the 2017 Australian Open, where you are right now. Almost a half decade ago, where Serena won her last major. With the elimination today, she's now gone 15 majors without a win at her age. I understand she's been injured. She had a child. Certain tennis majors were canceled during the pandemic. I get all of that happened. But right here, right now, can Serena muster enough, in your opinion, to get to 24 at some point?
6: Well, I, uh, first of all, it's good to be with you guys this morning. It's kind of nighttime for me as we're just finishing up the broadcast. But, uh, you know, absolutely she can. I mean, she's a legend. She's a legend. She's the greatest player of all time. So I think it was a basketball coach who once said, never underestimate greatness. (laughs) So I would never do that. But in saying that, Zubin and guys, um, it's not going to get any easier. I mean, Osaka proved today against Serena that she's at the moment just a better player on this surface. She hits the ball bigger. She takes the ball earlier. Her her quickness is, is a lot better and that, that we saw loud and clear today in this match. So I think the emotions from Serena are understandable. Um, she knows that she's running out of time. Uh, she also knows that coming into this particular match, we were all saying this was the best she's looked since she gave birth. She was moving better. She dedicated herself in the, this offseason to working on her movement, her quickness, so she was moving better. But when she went up against someone that was a younger basically a version of herself when she was in her prime she looked slow
2: yeah and and so when you talk about the surface Patrick obviously the hard court there in Australia the ball moves and spins a little bit different and the clay surface from the sliding standpoint but when we look two tournaments ahead and we let's move forward to Wimbledon which has been so dominant on that slower surface for Serena would that be the tournament that she gets to 24?
6: Well, that would be, I think, uh, Keyshawn, I think that would be her next best chance. I think the French Open, the clay, she's won that before, but that was when she was younger, and it does take more movement and more sliding. And look, you've just got younger, very athletic female players coming up, and there's a lot of them coming up, and they don't have the intimidation factor is not what it used to be for Serena, and that's understandable. I mean, she's just not as dominant so Wimbledon where she can use her serve the points are relatively quick um, and she can play you know big time tennis as far as being aggressive that's probably her next best chance but uh, there's a lot of players other than Osaka you know Halla beat her in the Wimbledon final a couple of years ago of course Wimbledon not played this past year because of the pandemic so hopefully it will happen this year and that may very well be her best next chance do you
2: skip do you skip? Roland Garros, if you
6: look, are looking ahead to Wimbledon, do you skip that, Patrick? That's a good question. I mean, Serena um, has oftentimes, I think, used the French Open as a way to get herself match fit and get ready. I mean, she needs some competition. I think if, if – but if I'm Serena at this stage of my career, I try to play a couple of tournaments within the next few months on the hard court, and I may seriously consider skipping the French Open. And, and training on grass where you have to move quicker, you have to stay lower, work on that serve, and sort of give it like, okay, you know, Federer's done that before where he skipped the French Open late in his career. I think that's something that she should absolutely consider. But she's got to go back, go back home with her family and think, okay, like how much more do I want to put into this? Because I think what became clear watching this match unfold is that Serena's got to work even harder if she wants to be able to get some of that quickness back, which obviously at her age is not going to be easy to do. Mm.
3: Patrick, during, during of the matches, Serena's husband wore a shirt, uh, Alexis wore a shirt saying not greatest female athlete, but greatest athlete of all time. Do you see Serena Williams as the greatest athlete of all time?
6: Well, she's, she's up there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I love that her husband does that and wears that shirt supporting her. He's been, you know, was standing up in the box trying to urge her on. So that looks, you know, to me, that looks awesome. And I think it's it's great, you know, to show that, that relationship. So, yeah, I think she – she. I mean, you talk about Jordan. You talk about Brady now. Obviously, you talk about Ali. Um, you know, you talk about Federer, Nadal. Serena deserves absolutely to be in that conversation. So I think, uh, you know, the, the thing for Serena now is the legacy's there. It's like with Brady. You know, he's got six. Does he really need seven? No, he doesn't need it. But getting it sure is sweet. And for Serena to get to twenty-four, uh, that would be sweet. To get to twenty-five would be even sweeter. But she doesn't need that as far as what her legacy is. The question is: Is she willing to continue to commit her to commit to what it's going to take to have a chance to get it?
3: Yes. You just, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, you just called it a Djokovic match. Uh, what did you make about his comments about the bubble, Patrick?
6: You know, I thought that um, it was interesting, the comments, It's clear the players have, you know, it's been difficult for the players. I mean, the quarantine and what they had to go through in Australia has been more intense than anything else that they've had to do in any other tournament. The French Open, the U.S. Open, I mean, there, go to the hotel, a little bit like the NBA bubble. Go to the hotel, go to the site, practice, that's it. Well, in Australia, it was a whole different deal. You had to stay in your hotel room. Some people, some of the players, actually Jennifer Brady, who will play Osaka in the final. Get this, guys. Jennifer Brady was on one of the flights where someone had COVID when they tested them when they got to Australia. She had to do a full two-week lockdown in her hotel room. Wow. Could wow. not leave her room at all. The other players were allowed, who weren't on those planes, you know, to practice for a couple hours a day, which still is not, the normal preparation for a major. So here's Jennifer Brady in the championship match. So I think what Novak said is certainly they have to look at it, but I think the tour will go forward. It will go ahead. Um, And, you know, the players, obviously in Europe, the situation is similar to what it is for us in the U S at the moment. So it's going to be a, a week by week, month by month, tournament by tournament situation, because unlike the NBA or the NFL or soccer in Europe, you know, the tennis players have to travel to from all over the world, and they're from all over the world. So that makes the, the, the logistics of putting together an event much more complicated in the professional tennis world.
1: I couldn't agree more. Novak has never had any problem speaking his mind, as you know. But you're right. When you're going from Monte Carlo to Miami, all over the world, week after week, jet-setting a bubble does seem like a practical solution. But... Like most things surrounding the coronavirus, it's easier said than done. You just got off the match with Djokovic advancing in straight sets. We'll continue to watch you as we run through the weekend and wrap up the first tennis major of 2021, every single remaining point of the Australian Open on ESPN Networks. Patrick, thanks for, I guess, staying up late. And getting up early with us. Thank you.
6: (laughs) Thanks, Patrick. Have a great show. It's it's bedtime for me now, guys. Have a great show. You got it.
1: By the way, if you're wondering, Key, Serena, seven Wimbledon championships. Last one in 2016. She's won this event seven times. Serena and Wimbledon are like strawberries and cream. They do sort of go together there.
3: You know, we always put like LeBron, MJ, Tom Brady in these conversations, but nobody ever really mentions Serena Williams. Like Her name needs to be involved in that conversation. No doubt needs to be involved.
1: 24, though, would get there. That's the one, right? You just kind of got to get that one. And Patrick thinks it's there on the way. 24. No key for Sutherland. That's the big question facing the tennis world. The question facing almost every team in one division, QB or not QB. The biggest questions today surrounding the AFC North. We'll answer that after Key has, excuse me, the NFC North.
0: ESPN Radio and the Undefeated, celebrating black history always.
1: Lift every voice
2: and sing. Coming off a summer of protest over police brutality to African Americans, Naomi Osaka decided to use her platform to raise awareness. At every match she played at the 2020 U.S. Open, Osaka wore a face mask with the name of a victim of police brutality, such as Tamir Rice, George Floyd, and Elijah McClain. Osaka would go on to win her second U.S. Open championship.
0: Like history always, The Undefeated and ESPN Radio.
7: It's demon time on prize picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, PrizePix is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash morning. Code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. Picks.
5: Pick more, pick
7: less. It's that easy.
5: Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahente here with your Sports Center
1: update. Tennis, anyone? We just had a segment with Patrick McEnroe talking about the future of Serena Williams. The immediate future is her elimination from the Australian Open, courtesy of Naomi Osaka, 6364. Naomi moves on to the final, where she will play the American Jennifer Brady, who is seated 22nd. Work our way through the men's bracket as well, with Novak Djokovic winning just minutes ago. Every point remaining at the first major of the tennis season on ESPN Network. Serena left the podium after the match hours ago in tears. Question was asked and broached, could this be nearing the end? I don't know, if I if I ever say farewell, I wouldn't tell anyone, so...
6: The, the unforced errors through the match. Considering how well you've played to get to this stage, what do you feel caused that? Or was it just one of those bad days
2: at the office? Uh um...
1: I don't know. I, I'm undone. I'm You can hear it there, right? I mean, you can just hear it there. Couldn't finish the sentence. I think the reporter was asking about today's match, but I think Serena was asking about, well, are you kind of asking me a leading question there? And she couldn't finish her response. That is very telling. Key says, look for at Wimbledon, where she's a seven-time champion. She stands one major away from Margaret Court. The Padres last night gave Fernando Tatis Jr. Key a 14-year $340 million deal. The 14-year deal is the longest in the history of Major League Baseball. All the info here, according to Jeff Pass. And if you're wondering, when you put 14 years on anything, he is 22 years old.
2: Yeah, I wonder when his out is because he's got to have a couple outs in there.
1: And I'm telling you, tell me the one baseball deal like this. Harper, Machado, this kid, Soriano, Pujols. You just tell me the one mega deal that's worked. There are none. There are zero.
2: The the, the difference with this particular deal with Tatisto is he's with the team. They're not pursuing him and grabbing him from another team to try to bolster their roster. He's already showing promise in San Diego.
1: Fair enough. That's a fair point. Harper left, Machado left, obviously, and Pujols famously left, but it has yet to pay off. Brack, history always. Pitchers and catchers starting to report to spring training. We actually had 14 teams report yesterday. Yay! I almost wore my Dodger gear today. (laughs) We're going to honor the Pittsburgh Pirates. On September 1st of 1971, they fielded the first all-black or Latino starting lineup. Think about this. Led by the future Hall of Famer, the legendary on and off the field, Roberto Clemente, Mm -hmm. Willie Stargell. A few Mm -hmm. weeks later, they won the World Series. Wow. Unbelievable as we celebrate Black History Month with a couple of guys that have paved the way for a sport that really does right now lack a lot of minority, especially black representation. 8% of MLB players are black.
2: When I was a kid, I don't know how I found myself Liking the Pittsburgh Pirates, I think it was had something to do with Star Joe. In we are family, yeah, we are yeah, family. The, yeah. the big metal used uh, to come to the on deck circle with the big metal block,
1: yeah. Those that 1979 championship team. Sports Center presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. And you know how we do this, QB mm-hmm. or QB is pretty simple. If you're just joining us mm-hmm. and you're new to this, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. we take. One division every single day and ask the most pressing question, or in this case, questions, about each team in order of division finish. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight to the standings, which of course found the Green Bay Packers in first. We're ready to go with the team that was on the brink of the Super Bowl in back-to-back seasons.
0: Green Bay Packers.
1: First question, Key, we're going to have two here for the Packers because they've obviously got a short and long-term consideration, as you may have heard, at the quarterback position. First things first, Aaron Rodgers' immediate and long-term future with the Packers. How do you see it?
2: I I see him signing an an extension at the quarterback spot. When you look at the quarterback behind him, I know that they drafted Jordan Love. We've talked about it, too. We've turned blue in the face. That's gone out the door. That, that's not the future quarterback position of the Green Bay Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers. He'll sign an extension between now and the start of the season in 2021, and the rest will be history.
3: It goes to, you know, look, Aaron Rodgers is the guy. The question is, can he get another Super Bowl? Can J.J. Watt be the guy to do that? You have a guy like Jordan Love in the background who's waiting. Aaron Rodgers is
1: the man. Like, let's go to the next one. Well, we're going to talk about Jordan Love here in a second. Here's the Packers' Rob Domofsky, team reporter, agreeing or disagreeing with Key that Aaron will be putting pen to paper to make more money soon.
4: The Packers' decision to draft Jordan Love in the first round last April seemingly changed the course of Aaron Rodgers' future with the organization. But Rodgers' MVP season of 2020 might have changed it back again. He answered any and all questions about whether he was still at the top of the league. And now it's up to the Packers to recommit to him by either restructuring or extending his contract to ensure he's not just living year to year with Jordan Love looking over his shoulder.
1: Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. Speaking of Jordan Love, we talked about the short and long term. Aaron says, I'm going to be here short and long term. The kid can't beat me out. Rob Domofsky says, though, Rob is back. When you draft a guy and move up and draft him in the first round and you don't know what you have in the guy, that presents a problem. The truth about Jordan Love is that not even the Packers know what they have in him just yet. He was the number 3
4: quarterback all last season, which means he didn't get many reps, if any, with the Packers regulars. Instead, he ran the scout team in practice. If anyone needs preseason games this year, it's the Packers and Love. They need to at least see what he can do in a game situation in order to assess whether he's on track to be the eventual successor to Aaron Rodgers or whether they should try to trade him while they can still get something in return.
2: How do you handle this, Key? You, you, you... You look at him in the preseason and see what he is. You audition him. After you extend Aaron Rodgers, it becomes an auditioning period for Jordan Love, not only for the Green Bay Packers, but for 31 other teams in the National Football League. You never have enough quarterbacks on your roster. If you, if you know anything about the Green Bay Packers and Ron Wolf, the former general manager there, he said you always take a quarterback in the draft, no matter where you draft him at, every single year.
1: Next up in the division,
2: Chicago Bears.
1: So the question here from our Shea Pepler Cornette, our partner on ESPN radio, and was a sports anchor in Chicago for a while. Everybody's talking about Mitch Trubisky. Should he come back? What's going on with Nick Foles? Likely will have to be back because of his contract in some capacity. Could they grab Carson Wench? She's like, nah, none of those. Here's your answer in Chicago.
3: Who should be the Bears quarterback in 2021? That should be Derek Carr. If The Bears want to go out and get a capable quarterback who actually can throw his passes on target, score touchdowns, not turn the ball over and read defenses. That would be Derek Carr. Now they have to bolster up their offensive line in order for any quarterback to succeed in Matt Nagy's offense. However, Derek Carr is the quarterback the Bears should go get in 2021.
2: Well, here's what I would say to that. I would say that, number one, they need to protect the quarterback no matter who it is. So the first order should be to make sure the offensive line is intact. Now, if you're the Oakland Raiders, why am I giving you up my quarterback? What, what, what are you giving me? Are you giving me a couple first-round picks? Am I going to be able to take you to the cleaners in this situation? Because when you talk about quarterbacks and Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz, uh, uh, or or uh, uh, Sam Darnold, any of these guys that may be out there that the Chicago Bears certainly could target, they, they're the same guy. So you're getting ready to give up picks to basically get Mitch Trubisky in that system. They all had horrible years last year. It's not like you are upgrading. The one upgrade in Derek Carr, you're going to have to give up a lot to get him because why would the Raiders part ways with a guy who's playing phenomenal?
3: But look, if you're going to take me to the woodshed, take me to the woodshed. Because if I'm Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace, like, I'm in this really tough conundrum. How do I plan for the future when I know I have to do something so substantial in one year in order to maintain my job? So I, I guess that's the question for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. If Derek Carr is the guy, if you can still make other moves to retool other pieces of your team... You do it if that gives you the best chance to keep your job and the best chance for your
1: team to actually make some noise. Next up, a team that should have been making much more noise in 2020, but didn't.
0: Minnesota Vikings.
1: Kirk Cousinskey had an $84 million famous fully guaranteed deal. His next deal was for $66 million with $61 million guaranteed. So think about that. In the last two contracts he has made, when this second contract finishes, 100. million. $45 million in guaranteed money in two deals. But is he the guy to lead the Vikings to their first Super Bowl champion?
2: I mean, you're, you're pretty much stuck with him based on the financial commitment that you made from a guaranteed standpoint. If you part ways with him, there's all sorts of triggers in that contract that will put you on the hook for money down the line. You have certain Pressure points that you have to get to for those things to kick in in 2022. He's owed about I don't know 30 something million dollars. They're gonna there's gonna be a time where that's gonna be fully guaranteed. They've got to make a decision on Kirk Cousins before that. My bet is he is the quarterback over the next two seasons for the Minnesota Vikings because you can't trade him. Who wants that? I don't. What what, what why would I pay Kirk Cousins that? So you don't like that? No, I mean it's a bad deal. It's a bad yeah. deal for the Minnesota Vikings, but they're stuck with him.
3: Look, Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy, and I know we all drink the quarterback Kool Aid, but at the end of the day, this defense is horrible. They're horrible. Their defense is what needs help here. Okay, I mean they gave up just under thirty points per game, which is fourth most in the NFL. Yeah, that's where you address your issue. And
1: keep in mind, Zimmer's a defensive guy. Our Courtney Cronin on more of the numbers he was talking about with Cousins.
0: Detroit Lions.
1: Sorry, Courtney. We'll have to listen to you. Courtney got axed. Weekends on ESPN Radio. We'll we'll hear your voice there. All right, Detroit Lions. Here's the deal. Um, Key. New general manager, Brad Holmes. Yes. New head coach, Dan Campbell. Yes. New offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn. Yes. New quarterback. Uh, Jared Goff? Yes. And new owner, not ownership transferring, but William Clay Ford Jr. has been the spokesman, the de facto owner for the Ford Motor Company and the family for years. It's now Sheila Ford Hamp. So from the ownership to the executive suite, to the sideline, to the field, it's a clean sweep for the Lions,
2: yeah, it, it, it's good. They're, they're they're hitting the reset button. They're starting over, but Jared Goff is their future at quarterback. The one thing that you got to understand about the offense and the style in which they want to run when Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell is the 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 black and blue division of the old. Run the football. Get a solid foundation on defense and allow your quarterback to make the throws that he can make and not create mistakes. This is one of those situations where you're not going to see Jared Goff throwing the ball 50 times a game like Sean McVay had him doing at times. You're going to see Jared Goff be very efficient with the football. That 18 to 25, 230 yards, a touchdown or two, that's what you're going to see out of Jared Goff, which will make the Detroit Lions a much better football team because of that.
3: Look, they, they fleeced the Rams. This is an ideal trade scenario for Detroit. Okay, they got valuable draft picks out of it. You got two years left on his deal, so you can evaluate, use those two-year windows to really see if he is the guy moving forward. And if not, you can also have you know value in the market to trade again. It's the perfect scenario for Detroit moving forward.
1: And that is QB or not QB for the NFC North. Let's roll from A to Z. Big one here. We're going to go all NBA. This is just for you, Jay. Here we go. Kevin Durant. Yes, some NBA go. talk,
3: baby. Let's go.
1: <laughs> the whole thing from A to Z in the NBA, all NBA. Uh, Durant, not going to go tonight against the Lakers. Big one tonight. Nets, Lakers, in Los Angeles, he's got a hamstring strain. He missed his third straight game with that hamstring strain. That's going to be out, out, out. However, the team is calling it mild. I guess that's not a bad thing. Kyrie Irving, who actually missed Tuesday's game against Phoenix with one of the largest rallies in team history. Harden actually was the only guy that was active in the Valley of the Sun in their last game. Lower back tightness. It looks like Kyrie is going to go. If you're wondering how many games have Kyrie, KD, and the Beard played together, That would be a total of seven. All right, Jay, I know it's just one game, and you may be thinking about, fantasizing about an NBA Finals preview between these two. How important? It's just one game, but how important is it tonight for the shorthanded no Anthony Davis Lakers?
3: Well, I mean, also the Nets are shorthanded too. If Kyrie is probable and KD isn't going to play as well, but we just saw James Harden come back and the Nets come back from down 24 points in the second half against the Suns that are in the upper echelon of the Western Conference. I know that sounds crazy for me to say. The Suns are in the upper echelon of the Western Conference. James Harden went off for 30-plus points, double-digit assist. I'm going to still take the Lakers probably in this game tonight. Still probably take the Lakers, but I'll bet with you, Key, anyway. I don't care. I'll bet with you on the Nets. I just think that the Lakers, look, LeBron James, they're a better tool at this point, but it's still going to be one heck of a game. And this is a preview of the NBA Finals if both teams are at full health. All I'm going to say is boo Jay. Boo. Why? Why, Key? We'll, we'll talk Why about boo? it.
1: We'll talk about it. I did hear Stephen A. say the other day, he now thinks the Nets are in the pole position to they win yes. the NBA Finals. All right, Boo so-
2: Stephen A. too. <laughs> boo. <laughs>
1: How about this? Nobody's booing Damian Lillard. He led the Blazers to their sixth straight win. This is your typical NBA game these days, by the way 126, 124. Nobody blinks. It used to be if it was 126, 124, people were like, whoa, Lillard, you want to listen to this stat line? Key, even you can't boo this, even though I know you know the Blazers and the Lakers have had some legendary games. Isn't I ain't that
2: saying nothing negative about Dame Lillard. I, listen
1: to this 43 and 16 dimes. Last night.
3: You missed the biggest stat. Go for it. He just had 31 the night before against OKC. They stayed in OKC due to bad weather. They traveled on the day of the game. And that's when he dropped that stat line that you just mentioned.
1: Unbelievable.
3: That's when he dropped that stat line. He is. And this is what's happened. He's doing this without CJ McCollum. So Stephen Curry's having a great year without Clay. And they're vying for that eighth spot. They're seventh right now. Currently Portland Trailblazers are fourth in the West. Fourth in the West, Dame, Dollar Dame's name is in the MVP conversation. Yes, we can have Jokic. Yes, we can have Embiid, LeBron James. But his name is right there, and he deserves a ton of praise. The best point guard in the league.
1: Okay, throwing out a ton of praise, his teammate, Carmelo Anthony. Mello, not to be confused with LaMelo. Carmelo essentially saying and answering the question that a lot of people are wondering on Rip City Radio – um, despite everything Jay said there about Lillard, why isn't he in the MVP chatter more?
2: I guess the market Portland, but he's fine. You know whether people appreciate him or not, we do, I do, uh, Portland, Portland do. So
6: that's that's the only thing, that's the
2: only thing that's the only thing that really matters. You know that, that's the only thing that really matters.
1: I've been in that role before. Fake media laughter. If you're one of the you always have to give it, no matter how funny or not absolutely. funny. You always yeah, have to give the fake media laughter. Yeah, well, there. I, All right, so Jay, tell he's me. That's absolutely
3: what- right, man. G- games are on late night. Like, you know, it's funny. Alan and I talk about hoops every day and he's one of our you know, guys on our show. And it's people don't pay attention to it because it's late night and they're playing late games and Dame is dropping big numbers. And we're talking mostly about football, but Dame Dollar is a special player and he's not in the big market. This is what happens. If you're not LeBron James or if you're not in New York, it's harder for us to talk about it. Like the the 76ers are having the best year right now in the Eastern Conference. How many times have we mentioned the 76ers? Right. Joel Embiid is top two in the MVP race right now. How many times are we talking about Joel Embiid? Like we're not. So. These are all the things that is happening as you know people are getting lost and all the other things happening in, in the midst of the world due to the pandemic and all the other sports we're paying attention to.
1: I would agree. I think Jokic is another guy that doesn't play, play in the Pacific time zone. He plays in the mountain time zone. People aren't talking about him because the games are late. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is another guy who's just having an unbelievable season, even though he's missed some time this year. Uh, he's having a great season, and he's not being talked about as much. Let's flip the script and talk it, about the One go last thing I want to
3: say. This yeah. puts a lot more pressure. Not that LeBron is worried about oh, trying gosh. to win MVPs. But, but at the end of the day, LeBron's trying to be the best. What do you mean, Ogaki? LeBron, because now LeBron doesn't have AD. So now, how do you compare LeBron and what he will do with his team without AD to the likes of what Dame is doing in Portland without CJ, or what Steph is doing in Golden State without Clay? It just look it, it and and the wear and tear that's gonna come on LeBron James. Now, how do you manage that if you're the management for the Lakers? Um, you know, do you allow him to play more minutes than 35 minutes per night to keep your team in upper echelon? It's, it's a thing that we have to pay attention to. It's going to be interesting to see. Yes, one
1: and
2: 1-0 so far without AD.
1: 1-0 okay, so far with right. the win against Minnesota. Okay, you. So, we'll take that. So Jay just mentioned, Key LeBron is four MVPs. If he wins this year, and Jay does seem to think he's a front runner, he said that on the show multiple times, LeBron would be the oldest MVP in league history. He's 36 years old at the moment. The other day, I had mentioned we haven't had a guy in his 30s win the MVP since Nash did it back in 05. Oh six. So he's got four. He's trending towards a fifth. As Jay said, he's going to have to put the team on his back when they wanted to essentially say let's scale it back a little bit. But the AD thing happened. What are you going to do? How would you look at a fifth MVP for LeBron? Obviously, knowing that it could be paired with another Lakers championship. I mean,
2: it's just the worth ethic. Right, I understand people, this this narrative, oh, since he's come to L.A., there's been a minutes narrative about him. Oh, he got to scale back, got to do this. Oh, too many minutes. They haven't done that. I mean, it just, he just continues to keep going. He's a machine. And, and for whatever that is, that's what it is. Whether AD's on the court or not, his minutes aren't going to change significantly. If you rest him an extra two or three minutes, is that really going to make a difference? And, and AD's going to come back eventually, which will eventually help LeBron pushed even further toward that MVP and toward winning a championship. But until A.D. comes back, they can certainly hold serve. They've shown you that they can do that, and I think that they will. When A.D. missed time a year ago, they still went on to win games. So I'm not, I'm not so worried about it because the time he's missing isn't so significant.
3: This would be LeBron James' greatest MVP of his career if he were to win the fifth one this year. Let me tell you why truncated season their season they only had 71 days off after winning an nba championship in the bubble where lebron was playing out of his mind now i know Giannis won mvp last year but lebron was right there last year and should have won mvp okay for how deep he took his team in now fast forward through the pandemic being on the road playing you lose your top two player another top 10 player in the league in ad now lebron has to do it without ad and zubin if they have to go through brooklyn if that's with kd Kyrie and James Harden and they win a championship this will be his greatest MVP
1: because you're saying the road traveled would just be amazing partly without AD and then going through the greatest triumvirate scoring trio you think is out there in NBA history
3: with no rest with barely any rest and then you have to take your game to another level to keep your team in a higher contention without AD yes
2: what if they have to go through the Sixers does that change because the Sixers would have had to go through uh, Brooklyn
3: just no, I mean, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't change at all. I think, I think he has a chance for this to be his greatest MVP of his career.
1: I, I mean, if the, if the NBA could get Anthony Davis, LeBron James, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, that would just be gigantic for a league that is just looking, searching for something. Getting those five dudes on the same floor, incredible. Bears QB Talk is next.
7: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early,